Hi everyone, welcome to Coffee, Crime, and Storytime. It's me, Danielle. How's your week going so far? I wanted to ask you guys, is there a day you prefer your podcasts released on? I want to make sure I'm doing what you guys like, so feel free to let me know. Today's story comes recommended from our listener, Sarah, and it's from my neck of the woods in Ohio. I hope you've got your drink ready. I know my coffee is fresh. So with that being said, let's hop on it, shall we? Johnny Clark was 20 and Lisa Straub was 21. They were from Toledo, Ohio, and had been dating for almost two years. Young love is a beautiful thing, isn't it? On the night of January 30th, 2011, Lisa had finished working and was waiting for Johnny to pick her up. They were going to be going back to Lisa's parents' house and staying the night. Lisa's parents were away on a cruise. This was not out of the ordinary, as the couple spent the night at each other's parents' houses often. Their friend... Tiffany, called just before 11 to solidify some plants. They were going to go pick her up and another friend and go back to the house and shoot some pool. Johnny told her they were on their way, and the call ended. According to Tiffany, right after hanging up, she realized she needed to go to the store herself and grab a pack of cigarettes and called back to let them know she was popping out real quick and would be right back. But when she called... Instead of Johnny answering, she could hear him talking to someone in the background. She heard him say, Bro, what are you doing? Three times over, and he sounded upset, angry. Then she heard him say, Who the hell are you? And a man responding, but she could not make out what the other person said. She said it sounded as though the phone fell and the call ended. She called repeatedly, but there was no answer. She states that Zachary, the other person who was supposed to be picked up with her, told her not to worry, everything was probably fine, and they'd be there to pick him up in a little bit. But Johnny and Lisa never came. After a while, Tiffany decided to drive herself to Lisa's and see if everything was fine. We don't know if she went alone, reports are split on that piece of information. But regardless, she said there was no answer at the door, and after almost three hours, she called a mutual friend to have them alert Johnny's mother, Métis, about the situation. Johnny's mom asked for Tiffany's number so she could call her directly and get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Johnny's mom placed her first call to 911 around 1.20 a.m. I say first because there are many. She was frantic, as any mother would be, but tried her best to relay the info to the dispatcher. She told 911 that Johnny's friend had heard Johnny on the phone say, who are you, what do you want, what are you doing here? And then heard someone screaming at him in response. She also relayed the info about Tiffany driving to Lisa's parents' house. All the lights had been on in the house, and most notably, the cabinets and everything in the house had been ransacked. She said that the friend Tiffany, as well as Johnny's dad, also named John, were on their way to Lisa's parents' house now to go look, but they wanted police present as well. Makes absolute sense. Now, on a side note, 
Johnny's mom was so upset during this call that 911 also sent EMS to Johnny's mom's house simply to make sure that she was all right. Police were there by 1.30 and saw no footprints in the snow. The windows were fine, all the blinds and the curtains were drawn, and there was no answer at the door. They left. At this point, Johnny's mom started driving to Lisa's parents' house and called 911 again. She was confused. How did Tiffany see a ransacked house if the blinds and the curtains were drawn? Johnny's mom is no longer scared. She's angry. And upon arrival, she blocks Tiffany's car in the driveway. She demands Tiffany's license plate. She demands to know what kind of car Tiffany's driving. And Tiffany gives her the info. Johnny's mom can be heard on the call accusing Tiffany of setting Johnny up. She then hands the phone to Tiffany and advises her to tell the dispatcher exactly what she had told her earlier. Tiffany told the dispatcher the same story, except she did not say anything about seeing the house or the cabinets a mess. The police showed up again, but left with the same result as before. No answer at the door and nothing looking amiss. The police have a protocol to follow, and they could not simply enter the house. With no clear indicator of danger, their hands were tied, and they left. Johnny's family stayed behind to keep looking around, to what felt like no avail, obviously. They could tell Lisa's car was still in the garage through a crack in the garage door, which indicated to them that both Lisa and Johnny were still inside the home. Eventually, they found a set of kitchen blinds on the back of the house that had been turned down, not up. Now, we've all encountered this. Being turned down means that if you look from an above angle, you might be able to see what's below. A cousin was lifted by Johnny's dad and managed to see through the blinds. This is where it goes from suspicion of something bad to confirmation. She could see Johnny's body on the floor and his phone was in the corner completely broken. Cue call number three by Johnny's mom to 911. These calls can be found, but I'm not going to play them here. They are hard to listen to, but again, they can be found if you look for them. This visual was the only confirmation note that Johnny's dad needed, and he kicked open the front door of the house. He found a sight that no parent can even fathom. His son Johnny and Lisa's bodies lay on the floor. They both had plastic bags over their heads, duct tape around their necks, and they had been bound with duct tape as well. Johnny was wearing a gray shirt, gray sweatpants, and a gray sweatshirt, which had been pushed up to expose his midsection. Lisa was still in her uniform from TGI Fridays, which had been pushed up to expose her stomach in the same fashion. Johnny's dad ripped open the bag over his son's head and then Lisa's, noting that she had some dried blood on her face as well. Now, I know some of you are probably cringing at the idea of evidence being destroyed, but as a parent myself, I can firmly say, even knowing what I know, I would have done the exact same thing. Police responded for the third time at about 4 a.m. Things got real. Johnny's wallet lay on top of his body with no money inside. Police noted that while Johnny had been bound at the wrist and ankles, 
Lisa was only bound at the wrists, and they thought the position of their shirts could indicate that they were dragged from somewhere else, and it was not an attempt to display them or assault them. Petechial hemorrhaging was imminent on both Lisa and Johnny's faces. This is a clear sign of strangulation. According to the medical examiner, this was because the duct tape had been placed so tightly around their necks, and because of this fact, their cause of death was listed as being due to both strangulation and asphyxiation. FBI was called in pretty quickly, which is actually very odd, and the crime scene, meaning the whole house, would now need to be searched. And remember that part about the house being ransacked? Well, boy was it ever. Let's run down some of the details. Both Johnny and Lisa's cell phones were found destroyed and scattered between the kitchen and the living room, as well as a DVD, fingernail clippers, a clock was face down on the floor, planters were turned over, a random black t-shirt was found near Lisa's body. The step-up leading into the kitchen had a whole vent missing. Kitchen cabinets were opened, and the home security alarm info was all over the kitchen table. A garage door was bowed, uh, a second bedroom door showed damage, and on the bed in that room was the contents of Lisa's purse. There was also some disarray throughout the room. The second bedroom showed clear signs that someone was searching for something, but it wasn't all the valuables that were left behind. And we're talking foreign currency, jewelry, computers, the stuff you would expect to be stolen. The master bedroom showed similar signs of distress. Drawers, contents were on the floor, the closet had been gone through, uh, the mattress was pushed completely off the bed, and one of the dressers had been knocked over. And when it was knocked over, it exposed a panel that led to the attic, which was left open. There wasn't a room in the house that was left undisturbed. Throughout all of this, though, I will state that there was a small dog inside the house who had been left unharmed. Two knives that were missing from the knife block in the kitchen were both found inside the home. But also in the kitchen were two partial shoe prints and a cigarette butt. Lisa's parents were contacted on their cruise, and the captain had to deliver the news. The ship was stopped so Lisa's parents could disembark and head home and walk through the house with the FBI to point out anything they may have noticed missing or wrong about their home. But the only thing that they could discern? Two $20 bills were missing from a jar of coins. That's it. That's all that was missing. $40. Investigations began, and it was uncovered that Johnny had done a stint of time at 18 for robbery, so they looked into his time in prison to see if that indicated anything personal, or to see if Lisa had any enemies. But a lot of suspicion fell on Tiffany. However, everything was circumstantial, and a lot of he said, she said. The first official update was published March 1st, in which one of the sergeants stated they believed that it was not random and it was definitely a personal attack, possibly a drug-related crime, 
instigated by the actions of the victims. That's right, folks. Victim blaming. Uh, Come again? I don't care who you are. This is not the approach. Uh, This obviously rankled people. Can we say the victims' families, maybe? And that statement was later retracted. And yeah, I'd, I'd hope to hell so. One detective kept a file on him at all times in case he got info while outside of the office. And eventually there was a break in the case eight months after the murders. 24-year-old Sam Williams was arrested on two counts of both aggravated murder and kidnapping and one count of aggravated burglary. For those that don't know, the word aggravated indicated that there is a circumstance that allows for increased punishment over the normal standard. So aggravated means big trouble. But who was Sam Williams? The family didn't know, but wanted the death penalty if he was found guilty. Sam had a rap sheet including uh, disorderly conduct, biting his ex-wife, domestic violence, uh, death threats to both his ex-wife and another woman. And then a month later, a second man who was named Cameo was charged in connection to the crimes facing the same charges and was a friend of Williams. Cameo also had his own sheet with charges of domestic violence and uh, assault. Um, It was a a total of eight times, eight different charges that he faced. And his charges also listed biting as one of the offenses, just as Sam Williams did. Is that pertinent information? No, not really, but is a little weird, you have to admit. A third arrest was made for a woman who gave false information to the police. Uh, Both Williams and Cameo pled not guilty to the charges and awaited trial. Due to outbursts and other instances, Johnny's mother had been banned from actually attending the trial, and both trials began July of 2012. They were tried at the same time, but in separate courtrooms. One of the big pieces of info included Lisa's dad testifying that he didn't own any duct tape. So the duct tape that was used to bind Johnny and Lisa would have had to have been brought into the crime scene by the perpetrators. So that indicates premeditation. One of the inmates from the jail testified that Sam had told him he would never forget how the bag made a crinkle noise when Lisa breathed in and they had been torturing them to tell them where the safe was. But there wasn't a safe. He stated someone um, told him that Sam, Cameo, and a third man had gone to the home looking for money and for heroin. They hadn't actually intended to kill anyone. This testimony, however, this inmate's testimony was only part of Sam's trial, not Cameo's. The cigarette butt that had been found in the house came back with a mix of both Cameo and Sam's DNA. 
and that is some pretty damning evidence proving they were in the home. In the instance of Cameo's trial, however, the defense asked that all charges be dropped because the prosecution could not prove their case. Sam's girlfriend testified that she had seen the two men share cigarettes all the time and therefore couldn't prove that he had been in the home. He may have, you know, had a couple puffs of the cigarette previously, put out, given to Sam, Sam took it with him. So there was really, again, it's all circumstantial. They couldn't prove the cameo had been there. And the judge, well, he agreed. And all of Cameo's charges were, in fact, dropped. In the instance of Sam's trial, the jury deliberated for two days and then came back with a guilty verdict on all counts. And he was sentenced to life with no chance of parole. A little more than a year after the conviction, Johnny's mom was arrested for menacing. She had gone to Zachary's mom's house the friend that had been with Tiffany on the evening of the events, and was shining lights in the window. She was also accused of driving past and stalking Zachary and his mom. And then in December of 2014, Tiffany was shot at in an alley twice. Both shots missed. And then, well, Johnny's mom, Johnny's dad, and Lieutenant Frank Ramirez of the Sheriff's Department were arrested in conjunction with the attempted shooting. Johnny's mom was sentenced to two years, and Johnny's father and Lieutenant Ramirez were sentenced to four years. In May of 2021, Sam Williams spoke out in an interview stating that when the police had showed up, he thought he'd only been being arrested on an outstanding warrant. He still proclaims his innocence, stating that the cigarette had been planted and he was set up. Sam's family can confirm that he was in a bar that evening until closing, and a cell phone ping confirms that information later. And there remain DNA samples from the crime scene that match no one previously stated in this story. So, as always, I'm going to ask you, where do you stand? Was it Williams? Or possibly Williams and Cameo? Or maybe there was a third person involved. Did Tiffany or even Zachary have something to do with it? What about Johnny's mom's reaction to everything? If you'd like to tell me your thoughts, if you have a story you'd like to hear, or even one you want to share with me, email me at coffeecrimestorytime at gmail.com. Again, I can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok, I am going to go make my next cup of coffee. And as always, until next time.